good day KPA community. Here we are, we're almost uh, a third of the way. In fact, I think we're just crossing over a third of the way the school year done with. Isn't that amazing? A couple of quick announcements before I jump into our interview with Mrs. Mock as we talk about second grade, um, some of her experience in life here at KPA and math and focus. So lots of great things to discuss there. Um, This week, right now, as uh, this episode drops, we're ending a progress reporting period for our second term. So those progress reports will be coming out next week. Um, This upcoming week, um, one of the exciting things is our boys are continuing to advance in football. So we're going to have our boys uh, playing for regionals, an area, and uh, I think that it's real exciting to see us advance, and hopefully, uh, with with some good playing and God's favor, uh, maybe advance to state. Ultimately, we do have our coffee with the headmaster on November thirtieth, eight o'clock in the morning at Rejuvenate. I hope y'all can make it to that, and uh, of course, uh, Thanksgiving break, which is right before that. So we have Thanksgiving break from November twenty-one to November twenty-five. All right, guys, we're going to jump into this interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. So hang around as you get to hear from Mrs. Mock. All right, today I am sitting down with Mrs. Kim Mock. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for asking me to be here. I'm really excited to have a talk with you. How long have you been a teacher at KPA? This is my seventh year mm-hmm. at KPA. And you've taught quite a bit before here, right? I have. Do you mind telling us how many years you've taught, <laughs> or would you rather not? <laughs> I don't mind sharing that. I, this is my 47th year Wow! in and, education. And in all this time, have you ever encountered a school like KPA, or would you say we truly are a unique kind of school? Oh, without any questions, this is a very unique school and unique model from any that I've ever been in, and it is it is truly amazing. Well, um, with all that teaching experience, with all that you, you bring here, and even the seasoned veteran that you are at KPA... I'd love to hear you share what you love about teaching at our school. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is that KPA is is truly a community of parents and faculty. It's a partnership. And mm-hmm. that is that's really what stands out to me. My first reaction is it's a community, and we're all working towards the same goal, and that is really a beautiful thing. Yeah, and it's so important with education that we've got teachers, we've got uh, parents working together toward that same goal. That's not always the case elsewhere. There's a lot of schools, or a lot of a lot of schools, and a lot of parents elsewhere who often think that their job is to outsource education to someone else, and right. they're really not playing a role in that and sometimes they're even doing things to subvert the good work that teachers are trying to do in the classroom or vice versa. 
So I think that it's real important for us to have that alignment and community, uh, like you said, kind of on purpose, on mission. Uh, I agree. And I, I do think because we do have that same common goal and we work together as a community and a partnership, then we're all vested mm. in this process. Yeah. Um, anything else that you'd share about what you love about the school? Well, I love the curriculum. Mm-hmm. The curriculum here is rich across all subject areas. Yeah. And I, I, because I have been in other educational environments, I can see such an amazing curriculum here. One of the things I love, and you get to be on the very front end of this, is uh-huh. the way that we do the stages of history. So in second grade, what do we? What do you focus on in second grade? Well, in second grade, our focus is the ancient world, mm-hmm. and we begin the oral timeline mm-hmm. and using the text story of the world. Yes. And it is so much fun. It is fun, and it is rich, and I, I just love that, for, that my kids get... A pretty good survey of the ancient world from Story of the World, which is a great uh, book. And then uh, they get to do fun things like they build pyramids and they do some some, uh, some other fun things. Making I know the, the mummification mask is another big project. Right. In second grade, in the history uh, curriculum, we take Story of the World and the oral timeline world moves through that with hand motions and a recitement for second grade, it's 51 entries in sequential order mm. that the students have memorized by the end of the year. And then we do projects like building pyramids with sugar cubes, and we do mummy masks, and we uh, have the Egyptian mar- market where mm-hmm. we learn about the bartering system. And so there are a lot of fun activities to go along with the history. And so they get all this ancient world in second grade, and then they'll go into third grade and do a whole year of the medieval world. Fourth and fifth grade get into some of the modern and American and even Texas history. And then we almost repeat that whole thing again. With We go sixth grade ancient, seventh grade medieval, eighth grade modern. And then we go one more time. We go ninth grade ancient, tenth grade medieval, eleventh and twelfth modern. So students who are here... um, from second grade to 12th grade, get uh, a pretty good understanding, a really good foundation of history, and then how to integrate literature and other things with that. So that's that's really marvelous. It really is. I've had uh, students in second grade who happened to have siblings that were in the sixth grade, and they would be doing the same timeline. And it's really fun Mm -hmm. to watch them interact together over that timeline. Good, yes. And if they're really astute, they can make little connections. In one of those timelines, uh, they refer to uh, the one who unified Egypt. One is uh, Narmer and the other is Menes. Uh, which one do y'all have in we second? We have Narmer. Yeah, and so sixth grade does Menes. And if you're paying close attention as a parent, you're like, wait a minute. I, we were told the one thing. It's, act, it's actually two different names for the same guy. If you, you really get uh, curious, I think Herodotus is actually the one to blame, that one's a Greek name and then one is the Egyptian name. Right. Yeah. Um, what, anything else um, about what you love about KPA and what kind of sets us apart from what you've seen? Well, I think 
the thing that also draws me, I, I will say that KPA was a blessing mm. at the perfect time in my life. And I see those blessings not only in my life, but I see the blessings in families' life and faculty members' lives because of this community. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really is wonderful. Yeah. I've seen that so many times where our families pull together and help one another out um, in times of need or just in times of pain or loss or, you know, just all those things where you need community to come together. And and we're so good at that. I agree. And I've also seen celebrations with this community and, you know, and praises for accomplishments. And and so it's there. They pull together in such an incredible way. Mm for support and celebration. Um, we already talked some a little bit in getting into second grade, thinking about some of those big projects. I don't know if there's others we want to touch on, but I also want to see what would be some of those milestones, those hallmarks of, sec- of going through second grade at KPA. What are some things families can look forward to if they, are, uh, if they haven't had a second grader yet? Okay, well, I've, I have always felt that second grade was the transition grade from becoming less dependent and more of an independent mm. learner. And so those, because of that process, second graders begin to really blossom and taking on and having ownership mm-hmm. in that learning. And some of the really milestones that we see in second grade is we start reading novels. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's an exciting time because we get to, you know, we are making that transition from learning to read to reading to learn. Yeah. And that's really exciting. And we, um, in math, we begin, uh, we have a, have started building a number sense Mm -hmm. foundation. And in second grade, that number sense foundation really becomes a firm firm foundation so that we can move into more complex problems and problem solving. Mm -hmm. So that's fun to watch in the second grade. And the critical thinking skills just naturally improve. Mm. Um, We did talk about the history and Mm -hmm. the timeline. And in science, the second graders, Mm. uh, we have, you know, some really fun science units that we do. We do animal habitats. Mm-hmm. And I think one of our favorites is the life cycle of a chick. Oh, yeah. And we hatch chickens. Mm-hmm. So that's always fun. And we plan a field trip around that science unit. Mm-hmm. And then another uh, fun thing and rewarding thing, not only for me as a teacher, but as for students and parents, as we do with service mm-hmm. projects throughout the year. Where, where will you go for uh, your field trip? We're going to go to Alco Farms, where, mm-hmm. and they take us into their hatchery, and we actually get to see them, how they do it on a big scale mm-hmm. compared to our classroom <laughs> scale. And we get to see their... Um, all of their chickens mm-hmm. there's a lot of them and it's it's just really fun to see that process 
I know you talked some already about math and focus or the math curriculum in second grade. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, uh, just you've seen a lot of different math curricula. Uh, how is math and focus different? And um, what, would you, what would you say we are aiming to do through the kind of design of the curriculum and the pedagogy and the way we teach it? Um, I, the, it is definitely different from any curriculum that I have ever taught. Um, with that being said, I do love this curriculum. It, you know, the pendulum swings mm-hmm. on the methodology mm-hmm. through the course of time and with different curricula. But I think the math and focus curriculum, the end vision and goal is to have problem solvers. Mm-hmm. And so in the primary grades, we build a firm, firm number sense, and at the same time, we're using those number sense skills to problem solve in the real world. And the the program consistently builds using the concrete, pictorial, and abstract mm-hmm. representation, and so it we use that consistently mm-hmm. with every concept so that students can internalize mm-hmm. the concept. That's why we want parents, if you, you know, if we ask you to buy the, the blocks or the, the discs and all the, you know, the, the flashcards, all these things, it's real important because that's part of the concrete and we need that to be done at home just like it's done at school. Right. And one of the things I love about this is that there's a lot of math that people learn that I would say is just sort of learning an algorithm and just saying, well, um, you know, I just learned you, you stack and add or you, you know, when you divide, you know, you flip the fraction and multiply across it, but they don't really know what they're doing or why they do it. They were just told to do it. And what we're really trying to build in math and focus is the ability not just to do math well and accurately, but to understand why we're doing it. Because that gives them those skills, the tools, the learning to apply it and use it in real life situations where it's not set up with a just a straight up problem like you saw in the textbook. I I totally agree with that. I you know, sometimes the pendulum has been swinging back and forth where computation mm-hmm. was the goal and as long as you could solve work the problem by stacking it, mm-hmm. then you were successful. But this program builds the why. Yeah. And I feel like if we understand the why, even mm-hmm. in the simplest grade uh, problems and in the lower grades, if we understand the why, then we can start connecting the dots mm-hmm. and those more complex problems become easier. I, I think about a problem, the way I would have handled this in in you know third grade or whenever if I was given 297 plus 298 I would have tried to stack those numbers up and add them um, what is a, a, an easier strategy our students might do even in second or third grade if faced with 297 plus 298 well we use the base 10 system yeah and that's you know the blocks we use those blocks a lot so that it becomes so automatic that we can take the bonds of 10 and we begin thinking in second grade bonds of 100, Mm -hmm. which is easy because we 
have learned the bonds of tens and into third grade it grows to the bonds of thousands and ten thousands. So on your problem, which I will say was a learning step for me too, was I began to think in bonds of 10. Mm-hmm. And so I would see, for example, 298 is 300. Mm-hmm. And I would see the other number, 397, as 400. Mm-hmm. And then I can mentally solve those problems mm-hmm. without having to stack it and go through just the computation. And so I mentally solve and adjust. Yeah, so if you're if you you see them as the bonds to that nearest hundred, and you say, hey, that's actually seven seven hundred minus five, so it's six ninety five. There's actually less room for error in that. Whereas our students, as we all know, are more likely to make a careless error in the the traditional way many of us taught to stack and add. Exactly, and I also think beginning when when kids think in this mindset of the bonds of ten hundred thousands. It also is easier for them to look at it and determine reasonability and to see that, yes, that answer is reasonable or no, Mm -hmm. that is not even uh, close. Yeah, which is so helpful when you're starting to use a calculator and you get into the older grades where you do need to use a calculator to do some advanced things, but you can start realizing, wait a minute. Um, the thing that calculate, I must have punched something in wrong because what the calculator told me isn't even in the right neighborhood. Exactly. Um, what would you say um, to some parents who struggle with this? Because this isn't the way most of us learned math. Um, what are some things we can do to either help our parents understand math and focus or help them to, to, to see the, the benefits and the virtues that we're talking about? Okay. Well, I will also share that it, this is not the way I learned math yeah. <laughs> at all. And as a teacher, the first year or two that I taught it, and I will say that I, I questioned, like, why are we doing it this mm-hmm. way? But I wanted to stay true to the curriculum so that I could determine my mm-hmm. thoughts on it. And I will say that I learned a lot. And through that process, I can say that the math and focus curriculum is building problem solvers. It does not follow the mindset of we're going to do this chapter and have mastery. Mm-hmm. We are going to build problem solvers. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a process. And so I would say for parents that the first thing that you need to do is reach out to teachers Mm -hmm. and teachers have a a variety of uh, resources available Mm -hmm. including ourselves Mm -hmm. and we are all willing to help in whatever manner that parents need on the home days Uh, we can model lessons we have um, I think an important piece of the puzzle is the Mm -hmm. eSingapore program that we've gotten this year so that parents can see and hear the verbiage that we use in the classroom. I want to just highlight that, too, because these are not terribly long videos either. It's not like we're asking parents to sit down with their child and watch a a 20-minute video. These are usually, what, about like two minutes? About two minutes, yes. Not long at all. And this way, students are hearing the same 
methodology, vocabulary at home that uh, that they're hearing at school. And I think sometimes that's been the, one of the biggest challenges in doing this with our collaborative style education. A parent says, I didn't learn how to do math and focus, so I'm going to show them how, how I learned how to do it. And now the students are getting two different lessons and it's not reinforcing and building the skill exactly the way we want it. Right. And, and it just, you know, in a way that makes it harder because we have two different verbiages and two different methodologies and for anybody that would be hard and so I do think that you know if parents will reach out that the support is there and and this e-singapore is one of the great ways for parents to get more fluent in this and it's easy it's accessible um so I just want to encourage parents if you're um at this stage, make good use of that. Or if you're looking ahead to this, um, be aware we've got more support for the parent side, I think, than we've ever had before. I would agree with that. Not only, well, in this eSingapore program, it gives the uh, little video, but it also gives a short, quick practice for the kids. Mm -hmm. And it gives a short, quick benchmark practice where they can practice right after that little short video and parents are Mm -hmm. able to see them applying those skills and so I think that that consistent three-piece part it will work together very well and also the teachers have a math library where we have created Mm-hmm. videos that parents can pull from the math library and students are able to work a problem at home with us mm-hmm. and see exactly how we work it. So, yeah. you know, that's a great resource as well. One of the best things I also want parents to hear, because we, at, in the grammar school, we, uh, you know, you have the answer key, you're working alongside with them. Um, if your student is struggling with the homework, mm-hmm. um, let the teacher know what they don't understand. Uh, what, what can happen a lot of times is teachers get the homework from the home days, and it's 100%. It's perfect. And if I'm a teacher and I get the homework back and everybody got a perfect score, I'm thinking, we're moving on. We got it. So right. it's real important. I mean, I'm not saying that families need to let their child turn in like everything wrong, but if they're struggling, you should note what they're struggling with and so tell the teacher, yeah, I'll use the answer key. We got the right answers, but could you, I don't think that, you know, Johnny has the concept down. I agree with that completely. Do not hesitate to jot down a note, stick a little post-it on there that we had a little trouble with this, understanding this, because our day as teachers is directly connected to home days. And if I think everybody's got it, you're correct. I'm going to move on. But if I see and get notes, okay, maybe I need to pause a minute and go back and make sure we've, we've really understand this concept. So, uh, let teachers know how things are going at home. The last thing that I usually would tell a parent that kind of has the, wait a minute, this isn't the math I received. I don't know about this stuff. So I usually say, so did you get a great math education? Do you really understand how math works and how to solve problems with it? A lot of times they look at me and then say, yeah, not really. So I, I get it, you know. So unless, you know, you say, gosh, the way I learned math was just phenomenal and outstanding, 
um, maybe we don't want to keep doing <clears throat> the kind of math that, that we were taught. That's a very good point. I think uh, this program, I mean, we do follow the curriculum, but it has lots of uh, opportunities to get in the floor and play games and apply mm -hmm. it to the real world. And what we want to do is make math fun mm -hmm. for the kids. And so I think that, you know, this program enables us to do that while at the same time building those critical thinking skills where they can be problem solvers. Absolutely. And, and really, I mean, what you just said is really foundational to the whole thing we're doing, which is building a love for learning, not merely bubbling in right answers, but a true understanding and, and just having a love to, to pursue the good, the, the true, and the beautiful. I agree. And, you know, I, I don't want, as a math teacher, I don't want it to be, I don't want math to be, uh, oh, it's time for math. Yeah. I want it to jump right in. Let's have fun. I'm going to make mistakes, but that's part of learning. Mm -hmm. My goal is to just get better. I want to end by asking you, what would you tell a, a parent who might be deciding to join KPA? And let's say they're going to join in second grade and they're a little bit on the fence about that. Um, what might you tell them uh, can help them decide which side of the fence to be on? Well, and we touched on this earlier. I would first of say the community of KPA is not like anything that I've seen. It's truly a partnership of families and faculty working together and toward a common goal of classical education, mm -hmm. which is truth, beauty, and goodness. Mm -hmm. And I, I, it is is such an amazing thing to be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, I would only. I would also say that the classroom experience within the walls of the classroom is only a piece of the puzzle. There is opportunities outside of the classroom for this community to come together, and there's extracurricular activities. There's, you know, playing outside and getting mm -hmm. together and. Just that whole coming together as mm -hmm. a community and, you know, lots of wonderful relationships mm -hmm. are established. A lot of dear friendships mm -hmm. are established because of that. And I, another thing that I would add to that is that the curriculum here is really, really good. Mm -hmm. It's it's rich and gives lots of opportunities for growing and learning and having fun. Mm -hmm. Having uh, three kids in the grammar school. I've gone through second grade twice already with them. I've got a third one coming up next year. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and that's been one of the great joys for our family, too, is just experiencing a rich and uh, life-giving curriculum that it's not just hammering home you know, drill and kill with uh, facts and bubbling in answers and getting right answers. But it's also, it really is about building a fondness for learning and, a, and broadening their mind to love so many wonderful things, have a curiosity and a desire to learn as well. I, I would agree with that completely. You know, I, I love to see kids get out of their comfort zone and express their ideas. Yeah. Well, 
Ms. Mock, thank you so much for this time and for sharing uh, second grade with us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for that interview and for hanging in there. Don't forget about the ending of our progress report period and looking for those progress reports. Our boys football team moving on and advancing towards state. And then uh, we've got Thanksgiving break and coffee with the headmaster. Thursday, uh, Wednesday morning, November 30th at Rejuvenate. Hope to see you there. God bless you. And thanks for listening. <laughs>